This morning we are going to speak about faith and grace. Faith and grace. If I could title it something else, I would say, when grace finds you. When grace finds you. But we are going to speak regarding this subject under the matter of faith and grace. Just turn with me today to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We are going to bridge Romans chapter 5 with John chapter 8. Romans 5. We are going to bridge it with John chapter 8. If you have it, say Amen. 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 Forgive me, my Bible is too thick. <laughs> Romans 5, from verse 1 to verse 2. Paul speaks and he says in Romans 5, from verse 1 to verse 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through Jesus we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I'm going to read it again. Very important. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into grace, into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let us just turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The Gospel of John chapter 8. I said we are going to preach Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 2 this morning with John chapter 8. Then I'm going to read John chapter 8 from verse 1 all the way to verse 11. The Word of God says in John chapter 8, They went each to his own house, and that is in verse 53 of John chapter 7, but verse 1 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, 
Moses commanded us to do what? To stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said to they said this to test Jesus that they might that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood and said, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said to Jesus, no one lord and jesus said neither do i condemn you go go and from now on sin no more the other translations would say jesus spoke to her and asked her the question where are those who condemn you and she said no one lord and he says neither did i do i condemn you go now and sin no more now Romans chapter 5, I spoke about it in verse 2, but before I, I get to that, remember it was about a month ago that we spoke about the faith of Abraham. Remember we spoke about the faith of Abraham and we spoke about the process for strong faith when we spoke in the faith, about the faith series. Now in Romans chapter 4, remember that was our basis. That scripture in Romans chapter 4 was our basis regarding Abraham and him developing strong faith. So it is in Romans 4 that we understood the basis for strong faith a month ago. But, but remember that we also spoke about the fact that with Abraham it was by faith that Abraham and not works it was by faith that Abraham's was accounted to, to him as righteousness it was by faith that it was accounted to Abraham as righteousness in other words we said that Abraham followed God remember he left his end and he followed God and by faith it was accounted to him as righteousness and not by the works that Abraham did and then we also learned that that Abraham believed God concerning the promise and it was accounted to him as righteousness for the fact that he also believed God in context of the promise that God has made to Abraham remember God said to Abraham I will make you a father of many nations so Abraham also, we see in Romans chapter 4, that Abraham also became strong in faith while not wavering at the promise, knowing that whatever God promised him, that God would perform. And so the blessing of, of Christ Jesus in terms of salvation would be for 
the Jews and the Gentiles. In, in other words, through Abraham and through the blessing and the promise, Paul makes it clear in Romans chapter 4, and if you can read Romans chapter 3 as well, you will pick it up, that Paul argues that the promise of salvation and the promise of Christ would then not only be for the Jews, but it will always only it will also be for the Gentiles. So it would both be for the Jews and the non-Jews. And therefore, when we read Romans chapter 5, verse 1 this morning, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ, both the Jews and the Gentiles. In other words, having proven here to them that the justification in chapter 4, having proven to them that justification is by faith and not by works, the Jews and the Gentiles are not, now have equal rights in terms of salvation. So now the, the, the Jews now are not the only ones that can come to God, that has peace with God, but now the Gentiles can, only, can also come to God. The Gentiles also have peace with God. For you see, it is through, through this specific justification by faith that Paul speaks about that we ourselves now can have peace with God. Because what Jesus did, he, he died on the cross for humanity that we may be reconciled back unto himself. So through faith, and not by works. We didn't work. We didn't do anything to obtain the salvation. We didn't do anything from our side for Jesus to die on the cross. It is by faith that Jesus hung on the cross and died for humanity so that he may reconcile the world back unto himself. So there's nothing that we did from our side or on our side that means that Jesus had to die on the cross. But it is by faith that we obtain peace with God through Jesus Christ. So, therefore, the guilt of the law no longer condemns us. And therefore, Paul states in Romans chapter 8, when you are in Christ Jesus, there's no no condemnation for you when you find yourself in Christ Jesus because peace is found through Christ Jesus and that is peace with God and therefore it is critical that we surrender our lives to who? to Christ because peace with God can only be obtained through Christ Jesus. So it is important in order for us to be at peace with God, we need to go through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So there's nothing that, no, no, no matter the good works you do, the charity you do, there is nothing that you can do to have peace with God unless you go through Christ Jesus. And therefore it is critical that we surrender our lives to Christ Jesus. We, we cannot dream about the heaven without going through the Christ. The problem that we are dealing with today is a lot of people are dreaming about the heaven. A lot of people are, are chasing heaven without going through the Christ. So it is important that we surrender ourselves to him in order that we may find peace with God. And then Paul speaks in Romans 5 verse 2. He says, through Jesus. We said, you have to go through him. He says, through Jesus, we have also obtained what? Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we understand it is through Christ that we obtain access by faith into grace now i know the word grace has been made cheap and it's been thrown around everywhere grace 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 but paul says it is through christ jesus that we have access by faith into grace and our faith in christ gives us access into grace and that grace is peace with god You see, we, we can only access God through accepting His Son. This, this whole thing of all roads lead to God. And there are many ways to God. There's no such thing. Because it is through Christ Jesus who reconciled the world back unto Himself. And there was nothing that we do from our sides to obtain such mercy but it was through faith in Christ Jesus that, that we enter into grace and therefore it is through Christ Jesus that we have peace with God so there's no such thing as there are many ways that leads to God and therefore when he spoke to his apostles he said I am the way the truth and the life. No one goes to God except through me. So the grace that we are all speaking about is given through Christ Jesus. So, so a lot of people are speaking about grace. And, 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 and there's a beautiful statement nowadays. It says, new month, same God. I, I think that, that's what he's saying, same grace, something like that. But, but, but I'm saying that in order for you to understand the grace and the peace of God fully, you have to go through the Son. You have to surrender your life unto Him in order for you to experience that grace completely and the fullness of that grace. Because grace 
met the world through the Christ. And therefore, the world needs to meet God through the Christ. Let me say that again. Grace met us through the Christ when He hung on the cross for us. And therefore, it is important if we want to meet God that we need to go through the Christ. Which brings me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 verse 1. The Bible says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him and sat down. And he sat down and he taught them. So, so Jesus being, if you look at John chapter 7, Jesus had a discussion with his brothers. And his brothers asked for him to go to Jerusalem. Remember at this time he was in Galilee. We spoke about, remember, Galilee last week. And it was a different region to that of Judea. And Jerusalem, we said last week, was situated in Judea. So when he spoke to his brothers and they had this conversation, his brothers asked of him to leave Galilee and go to the Feast of Tabernacles, which was at hand in Jerusalem. So they, they, their request was, go to the feast in order that you may do these miracles and these works that you are doing openly so that people may see. And Jesus spoke to him, spoke to them. But, but a beautiful scripture there, and I'm going to speak about it one day. A beautiful scripture there is, the Bible says them, they, they had this conversation with him because they themselves didn't believe in him. And Jesus spoke to them and he said to them, you go to the Feast of Tabernacles. And they left and they went to the Feast of Tabernacles. But the Bible also declares in John 7 that Jesus decided then to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. But he would not go to the feast openly so that everyone would see him. But he went and he hid himself from certain circles and so forth. And when he got there, one of the things he did, he found himself at the temple teaching people. But then the word declares in John chapter 8 verse 1, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. In other words, he separated himself from the people at the temple and he went to the Mount of Olives, which was a mile away from Jerusalem. So he separated himself from the community at that specific moment and then the word says early in the morning in other words the next day he came to the temple and he started teaching the people the next morning now i want us to note something that the Jews had already been in a dispute with Jesus regarding the Messianic fulfillment. Now, what is the Messianic fulfillment? It's the fact that Jesus is the Christ and that he will come to set his people free. So, 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 so the Christ at this point has 
and, and that's what Christ means. It is Messiah. So, so the Christ at this specific moment had already come. And the Jews in John chapter 7 had an argument and a dispute. The Bible says some believed that he was the Christ, he was the Messiah, and some believed that he wasn't. So there was already a dispute here based on the messianic fulfillment that Jesus is the Christ that was sent to save his people. So as he's busy teaching in the temple, listen, I just said there was already a dispute regarding who he was. Now John 8 verse 3 Listen to this. As he was teaching the people in the temple, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. Now the scribes who were interpreters of the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, the scribes were interpreters, they were scholars of the law. So the scribes came and then also the Pharisees came. The Pharisees who were a religious sect, who were good in oral, holding oral tradition of the Mosaic law, the law of Moses. So, so here we have two groups of people who know the law very well. And these two groups brings this woman to Jesus who is caught in adultery. But they also bring her while Jesus is teaching a group of people. And therefore the word says, placing her in the midst. So in other words, there were also other people around. So, so they bring her to Jesus after she was caught violating law the law of moses the mosaic law so after this she 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 she, she violated the law they brought her to jesus so they made sure that not only did they bring her to christ but they made sure that they would expose her publicly in front of the christ based on what she has done and it is amazing, and I need you to get this. It is amazing how Satan will allow you to sin in private. And when the time is right, he will expose you in public. I'm, I'm telling you, Satan will allow you to continue until it becomes so destructive that he may humiliate you in public. And that is one of his most strategic ways to kill you, both spiritually and physically. And therefore some people put a rope around their necks and they can't deal with the pressure of public humiliation. Because Satan will allow you to do it in private and then he will expose you publicly. No wonder Jesus warned us at one point and he said, whatever is done in the dark 
will come in delight. And my question is, how many of us sinned in private and the devil has destroyed our character in public? In verse 4, after bringing this woman to, humil to humiliate her publicly, verse 4 says, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act. So there's no other way. She can't even justify herself. She was caught in the act of adultery. You see, they state their case before Jesus that the woman has been caught in the act of adultery. In other words, they had hard evidence that she committed and violated the law. They had hard evidence against her. Now note, they, they had a dispute with Jesus the previous day. Remember what I said concerning the Messianic fulfillment? They had a dispute with him the previous day, the Jews. So the aim is not only to humiliate this woman, but the aim is also to humiliate Christ publicly. Because they had a, a, a dispute with him the previous day and because they reject the fact that he is the Christ, they are trying to prove that he is not. And therefore, they bring this woman to him and they dispute with him regarding law, the law of Moses. In fact, if you look at the previous day in John chapter 7, Jesus made a statement that confirmed that they had a grudge towards him. He spoke to them and he told them they were angry that he healed someone on the day of Sabbath. So, so, so to them, Jesus already violated law. Because to them on a Sabbath, you shall not do anything. So they are already angry because according to them, Jesus violated their law. So to humiliate him publicly and to prove that he is not the Christ, they challenge him with the law. Now notice. They accused him of violating law due to him healing on a Sabbath. So the matter is not that the woman was caught in the act of adultery, although she was not innocent. The matter was proving that Jesus was not the Christ and that he contradicts himself when it comes to law. Very important. So they wanted to prove. Now, now notice this. Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. So according to them, he violated law. So they bring this woman to Jesus so that Jesus may condemn this woman. So they are trying to get Jesus 
to contradict himself in terms of law. And therefore they said to him, listen to verse 5. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? You see what they are trying to do. They ask him, so what do you say? And I need you to know that they, they are quoting Leviticus 20 verse 10 to Jesus. Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, neighbor both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. So they quote Leviticus 20 verse 10 to Christ. They, they make sure, in fact, they mention Moses. Now in the law of Moses, because they knew that Moses was revered greatly by the Jewish community. They knew when it came to Moses, the Jewish community had so much respect for him. So they made sure they said, according to the law of Moses. So they attach the quote or the scripture directly to Moses. And afterwards, they test to see if Jesus would just dismiss the law of Moses that he gave in Leviticus 20 verse 10. And then in verse 6, the word of God says, listen to this, this they said to do what? Yes. To test him. So, so my question was, my question is, was it really about the woman caught in the act of adultery? They, they said these things to yes. test Jesus, that they might have some charge to bring against him. The Bible says Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. He didn't answer them immediately. You see, they tested Jesus publicly that the accusation against him may be considered those, to those Jews who did not believe in him. They, they wanted to give a seal of approval to those who did not believe, but they also wanted to cast doubt to those who did believe in him. Now, now I, I want us to, to get two things. Should they bring this charge against him? They, they wanted to do two things. The first is, if Jesus say, <laughs> the law says, stone her. She must be put to death. They will go to Pilate, who was governor of Rome, and they would say to Pilate, this man has taken life and death into his own hands. And he has gone above your head and he sentenced someone to death. Should Jesus say, Stoner? They would make him a rebel towards the Roman government. The second thing is, if Jesus says, Do not stoner or put her to death, they could easily make the case 
it is violating the law of Moses. You see how they are trying to trick him. That they may bring charge against him. So, so Christ, instead of, of <laughs> replying to what they actually, in, instead, instead of giving them the response that they were actually looking for, he, he goes down and he writes on the ground. Now, just, just for clarity's sake, if a pastor says to you, he knows what Jesus wrote on the ground, he's like, there's no such thing. No one knows what Christ wrote on the ground. No one knows. So, so the Bible says, as they continue to ask him, so now they are pumped up. So they continue to ask him. So the Bible says he stood up and he said to them, let, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. You see, they were, perhaps they were convinced that they had him on this one. However, they, they did not know that they were speaking to the one who created the law. They, they, they did not know that. Deuteronomy 17 verse 7 says, I want you to notice this as well. Deuteronomy 17 verse 7 says, the hand of the witness shall be first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people con concerning stoning, when you have violated law, so shall purge, so shall you purge the evil from your midst. They brought her in the midst of Christ. They brought her in the midst. So the request was, she was caught in the act of adultery. There was a witness and she should be put to death according to Deuteronomy 17 verse 7. And the Bible says, and once more, Jesus bent down and he wrote on the ground after asking them the question. After saying, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. So he bends down again and he wrote on the ground. And the Bible says, and when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Isn't it amazing? that not even one of them was left. In other words, all of them had sin in their lives. And Christ was the only one who was without sin. And yet they are trying to accuse him of violating law. And the truth is, we are all in need of God's mercy. Yes. That's the truth. Each and every person who stood there, waiting perhaps to start the stoning, was in need of God's mercy. And that mercy is obtained through who? Through the Son. And because of the Son, we have access to the Father.
And because of what he said, the Bible says they had to leave one by one. Because the law alone could not make them righteous. Although they knew law, scribes, interpreters of law, Pharisees holding the, 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 the traditions of oral law, standing there knowing the law, not one of them could be made righteous through the law. And therefore they had to live one by one because they still battle with sin that the law spoke of. And therefore it is said that the law discovers the disease of sin. But Christ is the remedy yes, amen. to that sin. You see, they may have felt better than one another in other aspects of sin. But Jesus showed them that sin was sin. You see, some of them who were ready to stone may not have been caught in the act of adultery, but they were caught in something else. And so Jesus proved to them that sin is sin. And therefore it is important that we understand in church someone who commits adultery someone who commits adultery sin is not lesser than the sin of homosexuality. And, and, and most people do that. They would not even allow someone that is homosexual to walk in the church. But you have allowed someone who is fornicating to walk into the church someone who is stealing to walk into the you see sin is sin and if christ had to say he who is without sin at the rock worship i think we would live one by one And therefore, when grace finds you, your justification happens by faith. Amen. There's nothing that you could have done to become righteous. Yes. But when grace finds you, it is by faith and faith through Christ Jesus alone. And this woman here, the law condemned her to death, but grace found her. Amen. She was guilty, but by faith through Christ, she could have access into grace. They, they honored their works, those who were ready to stone. But Jesus proved to them that justification is by faith alone and not by works through the law. John 8 verse 10 says, when Jesus stood up, after they had left, he said to her, in fact, he asked her the question, woman, where are they? Those people who were ready to stone you, those ones who knew law better than you, where are they? Has no one condemned you? You see, when grace finds you, it asks you the question, where are those who condemn you? 
When grace finds you, your past can no longer accuse you. <laughs> what, what a beautiful thing. It doesn't matter what you have done. When grace finds you, Christ says, the Bible says, He separates your sin from you as far as the east is from the west and then he takes it and he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness and he remember it no more you see people may remember but christ doesn't when grace finds you no one can accuse you and this woman is is evidence of that And the truth is there is nothing we could have done to be justified but it is what he has done on the cross to justify us and having asked her this question she looked at him and she said no one condemns me Lord and Jesus said hey, this is the most beautiful part neither do I neither do I condemn you you see, when grace finds you, no one will be able to condemn you. Jesus himself says, neither do I condemn you. Because grace that finds you is summed up in the following words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have an everlasting life. And then the next verse says, For I did not come into the world that you may be condemned, but that the world may be safe. When grace finds you, those words sum up your life. In fact, in conclusion, there are those and, 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 and I haven't been speaking through, through emotions because a lot of time when people speak regarding this text, it is a matter of justifying their own sin. And I'm not going to do that today. But, but the conclusion, Jesus himself, Jesus himself looks at this woman and he says, after no one condemns you, after I don't condemn, Go and sin no more. You see, when grace finds you, it releases you from the bondage of sin. It doesn't give you access to sin, but it gives you access through Christ Jesus into grace so that you have peace with the Father. When grace finds you, it releases you from the bondage of sin. It gives you a second chance. This woman had to go and sin no more. And I want to encourage you. His grace is that you may become free. That you do not stay in bondage.